You're listening to Red Nation Online. Serves it in. He's got Glover! Who finds the back of the net? What a header. I call out two defenders and it's the other one who goes and scores the goal for Columbus. Sunday, February 10th. It's Waking the Reds, Kristen Knowles, and I'm Ian Clark, and we are back for another episode of ESSU 3030. It's the second episode of the year, and we conveniently have TFC's opening preseason match to discuss. However, trying to stay true to the format of the supplementary podcast, we discuss the match in a broader sense to find out what the game and appearances against Columbus could mean through the next two weeks. We're going over the players who appeared in the match, of course, new head coach Ryan Nelson, and what our expectations are for the 2013 preseason and campaign for Toronto FC. Really? <laughs> yeah. Usually, it's like uh, we have we sort of have or we have too much discussions before it, like on the walk on the walk home. Right. And by the time we get here, it's like of course if it's March, it's been raining. So you're miserable. So we're miserable. We're cold, and we've already sort of spent the the, the ire and the passion the emotion that we have going into the podcast. You know, it's complete coincidence that when I emailed you about coming on the pod, right? Um, I didn't know this was the first preseason game. I just, you know, oh, we just picked it up. Right. And it was actually because we were trying to set it up for last weekend. Right. And it's actually been perfect because we're sort of sitting in that weird period after the Super Draft. Yeah. Where it was like, there's nothing going on. There's nothing on. to talk about. There's no, they're not even practicing really. And now they're doing stuff. So yeah. we've got actual things to discuss other than Payne and Nelson. But here we are. So preseason kicks off. The Mickey Mouse Cup is what they call it, I suppose. Mickey um, Mouse Cup. It is kind of Mickey Mouse. What you know? is it? Is it actually, Small world after all. Yeah, I guess so. But it's, hey, it's, you know, it's a tournament that's grown. It's getting bigger every year. And there seems to be more teams in an interesting mix of NSL, USL sides, and MLS teams. So, uh, you know, from the years where we've been at the Carolina Challenge Cup, uh, this one seems a little bit more. It seems more serious this year, especially. There is, as you said, a lot more MLS Whereas in past years, it seems to be an MLS team plus TFC and then some NASL, some college teams, and now... Swi- or uh, Swedish teams. Swedish teams. I kind of miss them, though. Yeah. That was kind of nice. A little international flair. Sure, why we not? don't have that. And today, of course, Toronto uh, faces off against uh, the Columbus crew in their first game of... Of course, the, it's the crew. You know, you got to... I guess you got to do that every, every chance they get to kind of set it up, Toronto and Columbus or Toronto-Montreal and... Build the in quote rivalries. Oh, that ridiculously fabricated rivalry between us and Columbus. Five hours is the perfect distance for a rivalry. Don't <laughs> Absolutely. You find? I think that's our nearest neighbor or something, right? <laughs> I feel much anger towards them for being across the border. But I, here we are. So, here, you know, I wanted to actually start off before we get into the game or anything like that. And, you know, what the, a lot of people drew on um, kicking off in this match was that. A lot of teams have already played two or three games in the preseason. And this is, in fact, Toronto FC's first game of the preseason. And I wouldn't say worrying, but it did sort of like raise somewhat of a red flag to me that here we are in 2013, rebuild, 
I've lost ca- track. Um, well, it must be rebuild number seven, season seven. There's one every year. Mm-hmm. More or less. And uh, it seems to be sort of like this is the bare minimum games that we could get in. We know in past years we've gone through, you know, two training camps almost in terms of like you've had Turkey and you've had Carolina or Florida. We're trying to get as many games as possible. But this year it looks like it's just going to be four. It's kind of a repeat of last year where they didn't really get hardly any games in. And that was a concern. Yeah. And especially again, like last year, you could say, well, they're building on 2011. But this year really feels like it's, you know, it's, it's a complete starting from scratch. Absolutely. Uh, especially in terms of, I think we have 30 bodies in camp. How are you going to really get a good assessment of all these guys over four games? It is a bit of a concern in that everyone talks about preseason from last year and how it wasn't enough, even with a sort of a core group coming forward. And preseason was talked about through the offseason. Preseason was talked about through the post-player interviews, and they still talk about it now. But there's been a shift in at least player sentiment. Oh, no, this is a good preseason. We're really fit. We're practicing well. So is four games enough as long as the way they practice is different? And that sort of seems to be the sense that's coming through a lot of the player interviews now is that practices are really organized and they're really laid out and they're working a much different way. So perhaps the game time doesn't need to be as excessive because the practice is different. The practice is more focused. Sure. And maybe in 2013, you know, if if for once um, this is sort of laid out to us with more of a mid to long-term vision, then we don't need to worry about sort of, you know, getting all our eggs in one basket in this preseason to get all these games. And if, in fact, it's like, okay, this is what the goal is for 2013 with Ryan Nelson coming in. You know, we know it's probably makes more sense for him to get practices in necessarily than these preseason games. You know, we'll look ahead to 2014 uh, and build on this year. Something like that, I think might, is maybe what sort of like placates me as a supporter that, all right, I'm not going to freak out here. It's only been you know, we're only in February. It's, it's exactly. It's only been, in, hasn't been a month yet. They've just <laughs> come back to camp. They're just getting into practice. But I think so exactly. It is, again, another long-term vision, but this vision seems to have some teeth to it, seems to have found some, found a foothold. Sure. There's, there's some roots to this vision in that they are, again, like I said, much more organized in what they're trying to put forth. I feel more strongly about the fact that they seem very organized this year, as opposed to last year, where it did almost sometimes feel like by the seat of their pants through the practices, through the preseason, as much as I you know, have a fondness for Aaron Winter, whether or not he was a good coach, that's not even really something to discuss any longer. But this preseason, just the framework, the structure around it has felt a lot different. Sure. And we know from past years, I mean, this year, the number is roughly 30 players. We know there's been preseason where there's been half of that. Exactly. Where we haven't been even played inter-squad games. No, we could barely field anything. Yeah, so uh, right off the top for me, like that I think is a good sign that you're setting out competition for positions uh, right from the top. But let's roll into the game now and look at sort of the players that Toronto put forth. And you can see again like a contrast between a team like Columbus who's already had a few games in and Toronto FC who this is their first game because Columbus put out what some are saying was a little bit more you know, veteran squad uh, whereas Toronto was trying to get look like mix it up, get some of the guys who haven't been playing some playing time. You know, uh, Frings didn't start, uh, Dunfield didn't start, Califf didn't play. Um, but of course, they started off. Uh, Stefan Fry comes back. Uh, we see Gale Agbosamonde. It's gonna. St- I'm gonna trip up on that one. Just All season him, long. We're just gonna call him boss. boss. No one likes it, but 
what else are we going to call him? Nobody likes it. No one seems to like it. No one wants to call him the boss man. I, I'm well, personally he, on board with that if he lives up to yeah, it. I was going to say, he's got to earn it. Built-in nickname for, yeah. uh, for him to live up to. And then the other names that that are sort of, uh, you know, would have been unfamiliar to us seeing them play. Welshman's in the midfield. Uh, Osario comes into the midfield. And then up top you have Luis Silva and Justin Braun. So, you know, some faces we haven't seen before um, playing for a Toronto FC. And, you know, off the bat, you know, the, the response was that Toronto played a high-pressure game. They're causing lots of turnovers. Uh, they're trying to make the opportunities happen. They couldn't break through, but, you know, there was some positives to see uh, in the first third of the game, that's for sure. So talk, you were talking about the high-pressure the high pressure game. So it was like the – when I hear that, I get visions of last year and that high line that they tried to employ that was a nightmare because they just kept getting beat on it. But this sounds like it was much more successful um, in terms of they weren't getting that ball kicked in behind them. They weren't having to do the chase. Right. This sounds like there was a lot, again, a much better organizational thought to it. Yeah, I mean, it it was more in the sense that they were closing in on the ball very quickly, Um, you know, and they were were double-teaming players. And when Columbus would try to send one over the top, you know, it was either to Finley or to uh, Oduro, uh, you know, it wasn't central. It was usually out wide. Uh, If it was in the middle, you know, boss was there closing it down. It just, but, you know, on the flip side, what I would say, though, is that, uh, Columbus had a pretty a pretty good squad out there where I don't think they were, you know, it's preseason. So they weren't necessarily concerned right. that they weren't getting success in the first 30 minutes. Okay. So, I mean, we can't, you know, we can talk about it in that, in that sense, I think, in the whole greater picture of this game as well, that, you know, you take what you can from it, but not blowing it out of proportion in any way. Well, it's uh, the first even, game. Yeah, in a positive anyway. But there was lots to take from the game, I think, that, you know, there were signs of, I guess you would call it a mild optimism or cautious optimism, one or the other, that, you know, some players did show well, that I'm intrigued to see how they will do through the remaining three games of the preseason. Well, I didn't see the game, unfortunately. Uh, I missed it completely, except for about the last two or three minutes. So who did stand out for you? Well, I think if we look through, you know, the players that we're not familiar with, the players we've never seen play, um, you know, Agbasamonde looked all right, you know, before we came on, I was discussing, you can see that obviously like physically he's a specimen. Absolutely. You know, he's got good height and strength. He kind of, to me does, you do kind of see things where it looks like he hasn't played a lot in the okay. last few yeah. years. Um, his touch was a little bit off, but he looks like he's ready to go. Like you can see that athletically and physically he's really good. Um, Osario in the midfield, I think was a guy that you'll probably be hearing about uh, up until Wednesday, that people might want to see him again to get another look. He looked very comfortable. I wouldn't say he looked great. You know, he wasn't uh, he wasn't the linchpin. He wasn't dominating the game, but he certainly didn't look out of his depth whatsoever. As long as he doesn't look scared or wasn't completely being run around or missing every single link-up play or anything like that, then I'm content if that's his first run out. We want to get we want to get someone like of his talent or potential talent out there and familiar. And if he can go into a preseason game against a sort of a veteran Columbus team and hold his own with veteran TFC players for the first half or for the whole game, I remember he'd only played the first half. Yeah. Um, then I think that's a great starting point. And I saw nothing but positive comments when I was uh, scrolling rapidly through Twitter on my way here. <laughs> After Rosario, uh, I think the other name was probably Welshman. Absolutely. Interested to see, especially because, or I am as well, 
um, a, of course, Canadian is, is one is the first factor, but second, uh, there's sort of like that late first mid to late first round draft pick that, uh, traditionally doesn't work out. So I'm curious to see how he fares, uh, where he fits in through the preseason, if he's able to grab a spot. Um, he definitely showed his pace and he was sort of one of the guys that up top that was applying that pressure that I was talking about earlier, mm-hmm. uh, closing in on the ball and trying to cause turnovers. So I think overall, I think it was a positive, you know, first game for him. And just from a, even from a sort of a, a homerism standpoint, you want him to do well. He's so excited to be here and he's so happy to be wearing the badge and to be part of the team. And, and that's something that maybe we've lacked a little bit on TFC for people who are genuinely, this is where I want to play. This is my club. This is my future. And if he's got the talent to match it, um, plus we need somebody who can play out wide and who can be that that person with the energy and the enthusiasm and who can produce. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'd be nice to see one of those, as you said, the the late draft pick actually come to fruition well, that's something that, uh, well, you can almost say through the draft pick. I mean, Toronto's, it's been Record. pretty like roll of the dice, you know, in terms of how our picks have worked out. And you look at teams like Houston is one I think of especially that just, they have done so well on late They're picks. They're unreal. Um, the players that have come through for them, yeah. you know, way late in the draft and have turned into like top shelf MLS players. I would love to, at some point, find out. You who, know, who their scouting department is. Yeah, like, what do they see? What do they do that we're, no one other team is doing or is certainly not that, that TFC is not doing? Right, um, that they find these guys late in the draft. But, I mean, we'll get onto this as well later on in terms of, like, I mean, Toronto definitely uh, picked up some supplemental draft picks that I think also we saw today that um, I'm interested to see how they work out over this preseason Absolutely. if they're able to grab a spot. But maybe we can do that. We can roll into – I mean, I don't necessarily want to go through the game, like, play-by-play – and break it down like we usually do just because, again, it's preseason and it's just... Well, it's just a preseason game. There's there's a point to them if they... Even if they get beat badly, they get destroyed. It's a preseason game. The whole point is to play, is to get familiar with one another, to get familiar with playing as a unit and not necessarily... You play differently when you're playing a scrimmage against each other. This is, quote-unquote, the enemy. Um, and you want to play differently and you you're imbued with a certain amount of extra passion when you're actually playing against a rival, someone you're going to see time and time again throughout the season. So um, they lost what? One, nothing. Yes. So really nothing to, uh, I think get all up in arms about. Um, And from what I was reading again, sounded like the second half, they pressed a lot harder and had some really good chances towards the end of the game. So I'm heartened by that. They came back after being down in the half and, really tried to work their way back onto the score sheet. So that's a nice bit of fight back. And, hey, they didn't concede in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah no, hey, that was a good one. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's the thing is in the second half, we definitely saw like almost a complete roster turnover right. uh, that was on the field. And, you know, we mentioned some of the players we hadn't seen. You know, one one thing I wanted to talk about, you know, that we'll get into some of the players you know, Justin Bronze in the first half, um, he comes out in the second half. And in comes sort of a lot of these younger guys, some of these supplemental draft picks. We see Ashton Bennett come on. We see Taylor Morgan come on. Um, and those are two guys that I also I'm interested to see how they work out because, you know, you have Justin Braun who's been around the league for a while. He's sort of been, you know, he looked like he was on the ascent, but then just just flatlined. Flatlined completely. Flatlined. And if and you talk fell. to, I was yeah. going to say, if you talk to anyone from Montreal, ooh. 
you will say you will not get too many good reviews. Not at all. But then you have someone, this is the thing that I want to discuss is you have someone like Taylor Morgan come in and I'm watching him play and I'm starting to get interested because given that, uh, you know, six, five, which uh, is amazing. You know, so he has the height to hold it up, but in university, he was a track athlete. He was running the 100 and 200 meter dash. Wow. You have a guy who could possibly hold the ball and who could run with it, who has pace, who could get down there. Yeah. And we saw that we saw that in the second half with Frings, you know, lofting a ball over top for Morgan to run onto. And that just like, to me right there, that clicked because, you know, if you have Coverman's up top or if you have Braun up top, I don't see that as an option. I see that as, as, you know, Frings is going to have to lay it up to him. Who's going to have to hold. pinpoint. Yeah. So I'm wondering if Morgan has ability to hold up the ball and run onto it. That's, I think that's a huge asset, but he obviously has one major strike against him. International slot. Yeah. And that's where he's got to prove that he's got to, you know, that be worth his really weight really worth that. Because especially in this first year, he's probably not going to start. So, so you're taking up an international stop for a player who might not be seeing the field very often. Ugh, you know, it's kind of like it's too bad because someone like Braun, who might not have some of these assets, is going to win out. Right. Purely based on the fact that he's an American. He's an American. Therefore, sure, slot him in. No problem whatsoever. But if we look at potentially look at TFC's record on international players. You know, there's been some not so shining lights there that uh, we would have rather seen. I think somebody who has more ability to be a starter eventually and actually contribute game in, game out, even if he doesn't start, then say, you know, Mista, although he was a DP, <laughs> yeah, but right. um, that's our favorite curse word at TFC is Mista. Yeah. And then going through a few other players or a few other things of note, I think are worth that. Uh, Matt Stinson comes in at right back. In the second half. Uh, he came in at right back. At right back, uh, which is something. That's well, intriguing. But this is something that last year I was somewhat surprised that he didn't get a chance at that over Hall. Like Jeremy Hall, to me, was He's a guy. A natural midfielder. Yeah. And he, 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 we can have a debate on even if he's a, a, a you know, an accomplished midfielder. No, he's not. But as a right back. Um, I found that was that was a bit of a disaster. So if you're going to if you're not going to have Richard Eckersley playing at right back for me. You know, you have two things with that has Stinson going is A, youth is on his side. So there's it's a position he could develop into. Absolutely. And just B, um, once again, Hall just just couldn't seem to hold that position down. So to see Stinson get a chance at right back, I kind of I kind of like I don't know. I like the look of that. How did it look like? How was he? He's always very enthusiastic. Well, I, like Stinson's got a lot of energy and a lot of there's no stopping him when he's out there. And I do like that aspect to his game that he is. He is go, 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 but with thought behind it. He's not just running around aimlessly. He's got purpose to the energy and to the endless, I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. But I didn't even think of him, actually, because I like him in the midfield most of the time. Yep. But as a right back, as you said, he's got youth on his side. So Yeah, and it's, I think it's just a matter of uh, you know, him working on his delivery of the ball. Right. Because we're going to need him to sort of cross that ball in and, and to you know pass from the back. That was the only thing I saw that he had some, it was sort of inconsistent. Okay. He had moments where he was good and moments where it was not so good. But overall, again, you know, age is on his side. So I thought it was, okay. I thought that was something encouraging to see. For sure. Um, and then other than that, you know, the other player I would have mentioned was, um, again, if we're going to talk about these young players, Ashton Bennett as well. Uh, he did okay. He, he had one nice cross in, I think, if I recall correctly, crossed the ball into Terry Dunfield, who rattled it off the woodwork. 
Um, that could have been nice. Dunfield, been Dun, the Dunfield header is, is becoming a specialty of his. It is, it is. It's the trademark. And that's sort of, I think the one thing, a positive take for me and what you kind of already recapped was it was down the stretch that Toronto actually looked quite good. Those last 10, 15 minutes were some of the best. It was sort of a, there was a change at halftime and then there was a change around uh, the 63rd minute I have okay. here noted down. So like almost, a, I think there was like five new players that came on. Um, you know, uh, Cesar came on at halftime and then was taken off 15 minutes later. I don't think for any reason in particular. Just give the man a run out, let him be imposing for a yeah. while, yeah. scare some of the kids and then pull him off. And then he comes off and we put in some of the, I think he just wanted to see as many players as possible. And if Cesar, as long as Cesar, I think, oh. looked fine. All right. That's you, good. You, yeah. you you can sit down now. Thank you for running around for a while. You're yeah. good. Yeah. Take a break. Um, and I thought that was something encouraging to come away with it, that, um, that they finished the game well. And I think, of course, one thing we need to talk about this game that we kind of discussed before uh, that was sort of unfortunate. Do you know where I'm going with this? You're smiling. Am I going to talk about Stefan Fry? I'm going to talk about Stefan Fry. You're laughing. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Poor guy. Seriously. Cannot catch a break. No. And the first thing, I guess it's better because my first, the first thing I saw, my first thing seeing was, oh, my God, he took a cleat in the eye. Which I'm obviously thinking the worst. Absolutely. The, the, like worst the eye is done and gouged out there he's gone for the year yeah again sounds like it's his nose right and people were talking about thank god hopefully no concussion because that's you know broken nose is a broken nose you can myriad of athletes play with broken noses all the time christine st Clair. sure um but whether it's a concussion for again any athlete that's a much longer layoff and again frustration for for Fry to be injured again yeah, at the beginning of the season again. And, you know, he's worked so hard this last year. So someone said that he he maybe dove in, and we talked about this a little bit, that he maybe didn't have to go for the ball as hard as he did and meet Finley's cleat to his nose, perhaps. No, he didn't. But, <laughs> you know, we, we discussed this as well. Right. I mean, you've been sitting out for a year. I mean, he's, he is probably dying to get into, like, a real game situation. Exactly. And show his stuff. And and this is what we know of him. Like, this, right. Oh, this he's is, a fierce competitor. This is his style. So I wouldn't expect anything at last. No. It's too bad it's someone like Frings or maybe, I don't know, Coverman's or, I don't know, Terry Dunfield, for example, pulls him aside and says, hey, just so you know, this yes. is what you're going to be feeling. Don't do it. Yeah. Just chill it's, out, man. It's preseason. Yeah. Just ease back into it. No it's, reason it's to, okay. to run out of your box and head first into someone's boot. But you know what I mean? I don't think uh, I don't think it's going to be a big deal. I think worst case scenario, he broke his nose. Right. Um, so fingers crossed. That's all that it is. So anyways, that pretty much What's wraps the game? up rep, in, the, in a little bit of a package that wraps up the game. But you know, one thing I wanted to um, discuss, which I thought, you know, through the game, uh, they were they were pulling questions off Twitter and whatnot, and uh, one of the questions that someone posed was, "Who do you?" It was in the first half, so I guess it was the starting lineup for Toronto. It's okay. like, who do you expect to start from this starting lineup uh, on March second? And I thought that was a pretty good question because there was a lot of new faces. That's a great. And question. you could even throw that across the full game um, if if there's anyone that that we can out. see, or even maybe guess that's going to crack that starting lineup. Um, well, there's your basics, and most of them, I think, come from the back. Obviously, Fry, I'd certainly expect to see Morgan, O.D., and X all starting. Sure. I, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't. Um, who else started that half? Silva, I think you can pen him in pretty handily. The rest, honestly, I, I think are question marks. Yeah. 
I don't see, I don't look down at those names and say, I fully expect to see them out there unless March 2nd is sort of treated as, again, a bit of a gamble, a bit of an experiment. But if we're thinking of TFC starting 11 this year, yeah, you know, maybe. Yeah. Reggie Lamb, mm, I, I don't want to see him as a starter. I, I really don't. And that begs the question, what do we have instead? But Well, we can run through it because, I mean, we look at the midfield there and the midfield that came in in the second half. You know, you take, you have, you think you're going to have Silva up top. You know, the forward that he's paired with, I think, is still a question. But if we're going to pencil in Justin Braun, you know, I think, I think that that position right now until Coverman's returns is Braun's to lose. Absolutely. Uh, oh, for sure. He, he's got something to prove there. Yeah. And it's, and it's up to someone like Taylor Morgan or Ashton Bennett to take that away from him. Um, so if you look through the rest of the lineup in terms of, you know, Welshman in the first half, I mean, it was, it was Welshman, Rosario, Hall, and Lamb. I mean, we kick back players such as Frings, Dunfield, Cesar, and Becker. Right. And then there's four other guys that I think might be a more established. Yes. More solid. But, but the question then becomes is, I mean, that's three guys who are getting up there in age and a rookie, you know, who's going to shuffle in there? Is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to butcher his name, Cabrera. I was it? actually just going to bring him up because I, he played a little bit in today's game, right? Yeah. I don't know for how long. Um, and I, I'm very curious to see how his trial goes because on paper, this is a great addition, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, what research I did into him. Uh, a couple of videos, a uh, bunch of reading online, and, you know, wide player, plays on the right. Reggie, have a seat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you may think I don't like Reggie Lamb. I, I've, I've, I've often been fond of Reggie Lamb, but I don't like his disappearing act. And uh, he's, you know, he's a good age. He's the right age, you know, mid-20s. That's uh, a perfect time to be coming into that position, I think. So curious about that. Well, I mean – his his appearance was pretty pretty brief. Okay. The second half, I thought he looked fine. You know he and you know the one thing you know we can compare and contrast when you have someone like Iguain on on, on Columbus who's just sick. You know statistically you, know, you look at him coming in, you're like, okay, he's he's obviously not his brother, that's for sure. <laughs> no. um, but, but you watch him play. I mean, he sets up. He takes the corner. Like that's something you that you know sometimes we miss here in North America is just. You know, these guys have been kicking a ball since they were born. Exactly. They've it's been playing, innate. you know, they've been playing, you know, in a professional atmosphere sometimes since they were eight years old. Yeah. It's like nothing to them, you know, to take a corner and put the ball exactly where they needed to go. Yeah, they don't feel the pressure because it is second nature. That's just something they're accustomed to doing. Right. Uh, and especially, you know, you're coming from somewhere like South America up right. to North America, like America, Canada. You know, the, the, it's like, it's sure. like the, the difference in the game. You're just like, they're there. They're there, North Americans. Yeah. Let me show you how this works. I, you know, I, I don't think they have to worry too much about, you know, the uh, the firms coming in after the game with, you know, a metal exactly. bar telling you what you're going to do in the next game. Things like that. Anyways, so I think we've kind of like gone over. I think we kind of have an idea what we're going to be looking at the start of the year. It's, I think the one question is, you know, what Caleb also locked down. Well, I feel like, too, if we want to talk about two positions in the starting lineup, I would say Braun and Califf are two people who it's like it's theirs to lose uh, in terms of that starting position. You think Califf has is that's his to lose? I think he's I think they're going to look at him first. Right. Having a partnership of O.D. and Califf. And uh, of the two, I would my opinion is O.D. safer in his position because he's left footed. 
And Caliph yeah, oh, is Caliph sure. is going to have Henry and and Aguasimonde nipping at his heels. So I think Aguasimonde is going to nip at his heels more than Henry right now. I sure. think Henry still and and I love Daniel Henry. I'm a huge fan of his. I think that kid's got a big future ahead of him. But I think he's still kind of green. Yep. And I like the time he's getting with the Canadian team mm-hmm. to help. But Caliph, I sort of feel you worry about Caliph because of his age. Sure, he's a little older. He's a little slower. But is an experienced slower center back, you know, pairing better than anything else TFC has had? Right. Probably. You know what? And it's for me, honestly, that age and pace is not an issue. You Especially can make up for center. it. You can make up for it with positioning. Yeah. Um, experience. And, yeah, and experience is the two things. And it's also a matter of who he has in front of him. You know, if you have someone like if Stinson slots back in a defensive midfield, depending on where Cesar plays, who has uh, experience in defensive midfielder, midfielder and center back, um, you have a little bit of extra. You know, uh, he could maybe push back into a sweeper role at times if you have someone like Frings and Cesar in front of him. Right. So he might not be as exposed as often, you know, out deep. Uh, And when we talk about. Well, we didn't talk about, but as we saw by the goal from Columbus, you know, one of our weak points is, has been set pieces. Absolutely. So oh, you have a guy. The curse of TFC. Right. Where it's just like, let's, let's weigh this out. This is where, this is our biggest weakness where we have a guy at center back with tons of experience. Pace doesn't come into play. No, but positioning and that's the key on set pieces. And that's something that certainly has been lacking at the back for TFC for, oh, you know, six years. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like it's, I feel like it, it flip flops where it's like when we, have, when, really we have, solid? when we have the center backs down, our fullbacks are garbage. Or and, and when our fullbacks are looking pretty good. The center, center back, back just during. collapses in on itself. <laughs> they have no idea what they're doing. You know, we can say the, the most, the, our, our best uh, fullback position, Usamov on the right, Haskanovich on the left. And uh, <laughs> 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 I, I was going to, I was trying to think of the joke in terms of like, this was the perfect example of shady Eastern European player agents coming in to Toronto FC and, and, and putting in their influence on the club uh, to get, you know, these roughly $100,000 players. That weren't good enough. That's for sure. Definitely not. Rolling out of this, we got, we got to talk about some players. And I guess we kind of wanted to, you know, when we were, before we even were going to do this podcast, and I'm like, I don't know what we're going to talk about because there's nothing going on. And then luckily we got this game with tons of action. Obviously, we we're going to get over, talk about Ryan Nelson coming on board and Kevin Payne because this is what we have to talk about exactly. with this club. This is our, uh, this is the future. And I thought it was worth it because give a little bit of a dig to the media who I thought were pretty brutal. They were harsh. Uh, on that press conference. Now, granted, it was not the best press conference. It was a very confusing press conference at yeah, times. That um, I'm sure Kevin Payne was sitting there just, and I give him credit for taking it and not like blowing his cool because he probably could have been like, hey, assholes. Back off. He's going to be here. Yeah. But he can't say that. No, he has to be politic. And neither can Ryan Nelson. So they're probably sitting there judging what the media is going to be like in Toronto and what they're in for and probably just shaking their head. But, you know, as professionals, they took it. And I think, and I'm sure they probably looked on the flip side and thought, yeah, this does look weird. We can't say anything. We're just going to have to take it and deal with it. What I think is interesting is that press conference and any press conference, actually, that Kevin Payne has been in so far. Talk about being professionals. 
Those are the most professional press conferences that have come out of TFC in years in terms of tone. Oh, sure. In terms the of delivery. the delivery and, and the, the, the conviction behind the message. And, and yes, we were all watching that press conference. And when suddenly it was, here's our new head coach who's still playing for QPR. He's not here yet. And, and no one could answer a straight question. And even I was, okay, um, that's different. <laughs> but... Well, we, jo- we jo- here on the pod, we joke that Toronto FC's method has been trial and error. Um, and we have not tried this yet. We no, have, exactly. We have not picked a coach who's currently playing for an EPL team to come in mid-season. That's, you know, we, we, why not? Let's throw this one up against the wall and see if it sticks. Yeah. Um, but I think there was such a negative reaction, vitriolic almost, uh, from a lot of the media to that appointment. I don't think it was necessary. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was almost a knee-jerk reaction to say, what is this nonsense? What are they doing? TFC doesn't know what they're doing. Again, as per usual, Kevin Payne's lost his mind. He's lost his grip. There's a reason he left DC United. So on and so on and so on. Where I think... Why not? Sure. Why well, not? And, you know, my my sort of thoughts about that was, you know, I honestly felt the club was going in the wrong direction under Mariner as it was. I mean, we were pretty vocal about that. I was would have been surprised if he lasted the year anyways. Oh, so why not expedite the process that, of course, I'm hypothesizing, prophesizing, you know, however you want to put it, that we would have been in a boat where we we're going to be starting over anyways. So... Let's just why really not get start it, over. Why not get it going? And it's yeah. like, and we already know that this, we're, we're watching the Kevin Payne show right now. So I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So in terms of like, you know, uh, the players coming in, the infrastructure of the club, he's the one who's calling the shots. So he's just gotten on. He just went on with that anyway. So obviously we want Nelson there coaching. And I want to add to that. At first it seemed we were like, Frank O'Leary, what's the deal with that? Yeah, who is no this sense. guy? Why, why is he here? Why is he what here? is he doing? And and, and now we know. Right, exactly. Right? And now this week we find out that, of course, that Nelson and O'Leary have a relationship. They kind of all have a relationship, so Going back 15 years. Right, where, for those who don't know, um, you know, we the last podcast, we had our first little bit of, the first half of this bit of information. Right. We were saying how um, Nelson, in his rookie year, in his early years at D.C., was really into, you know, he, we knew, he knew he wanted to be a coach. He's already reading these coaching manuals. He's going, you know, he's reading about strategies, like stuff that Kevin Payne saw that was like, you know. I who know is co- this kid? I know coaches who don't read this stuff. Exactly. And he's doing it. And then we also come out this week that, oh. He was spending his time with O'Leary, as uh, basically as an assistant coach. At George Mason University, which interesting, there ties another thing with Taylor Morgan coming from George that's Mason right. University. I wonder if that's. Why? If there's a neat there's little, a sequel, there's a little circle there. Yeah, coming on to play that. Uh, well, they, they obviously have an eye for you know Payne spotted Nelson sure. years ago, and Fran also spotted something in him as well, and allowing this kid basically to help coach his team. So they all have an eye for perhaps seeing something innate in others, and maybe that's. You know where Morgan is is coming into the picture, right? Um, but yeah, I love the I love the the history between all of them. I, I think that's again something that's been missing. You sure. want to have you've got harmony exactly. You've got two coaches who are literally on the same page, who have known each other. You know, one's played for the other, worked side by side. 
We don't have that experience. Stand up is there, the there is Toronto no. There is no. Specific podcast all the coaches breaking down the game each other right after it happens. They're all on different. We want you to be involved. Reach out to us on Twitter through hashtag ESSU or at Red Nation Online. You can email us at have your say at Red Nation Online or info at Red Nation Online. Get into the discussion on Toronto FC through East Side Stand Up on Red Nation Online. We've got a very sudden. We got to bring in. I can do that. I can do that. I think the one thing, you know, when we're talking, we were talking about the preseason. We were kind of talking about, you know, what I thought 2013 would have been, anyways. You know, kind of like trying to tie in what we're seeing in the preseason, but also overall. some things we're expecting in 2013, what you want to see. And I'm thinking of course, like t- maybe tying in these players that have come in, uh, you know, new head coach, Kevin Payne, all that. And and what you expect or what you're hoping to see uh, this year. Honestly, I'm not expecting a lot. I'm, I'm really not. And it sounds, some people will give me a knock for that. Uh, but this team is being rebuilt. This is rebuilt, as we said earlier, number seven. This is going to be a new way of looking at the team. They've got a new coach who's got a different way of practicing, a different way of putting them out there. But it's a whole new year. I don't expect playoffs this year. And I think anyone that puts the value and the success of this year as TFC making the playoffs, I think they're a little foolhardy because I don't see that coming. If they magically made the playoffs, would I be excited? Of course. I would love for nothing more than for this team to – do something more than win the the Voyager's Cup, which is always fun. But I think that all I want from this year is to see some cohesion. I want to eventually, by the end of the season, I want to see something that looks like a core group of players that's going to go forward into 2014. We've called this preseason 2014. Sure, yeah. And and I agree with that 100%. I, as long as they are out there playing and not seeing a lot of what we saw last year, which was – Really? Are you even trying? Yeah. Why am I wasting my time standing here in the cold and the rain, cheering for you, writing about you, talking about you? What's the point? Why am I spending my time here? Now, I was there every week, but it got harder and harder and harder. I think by the end of last season, we were all bitter and despondent and angry and ready to chuck it all away. (laughs) It was a tough. Oh. Yeah, I think we were all on the same page just in terms of that last two months was in terms of, you know, whether it's on Waking the Red or Red Nation Online covering the team, it was a struggle to come up with some sort of storyline, something to talk about. That wasn't the same thing week after week. Yeah, but what I wanted to, to touch on, because you had some great points that I think we could build upon. Um, the first one, when we're looking at how, what to expect from this year and how we've looked back on the previous year's what has still been missing from Toronto FC, even going into 2013, has been stability. And I think Toronto FC and Columbus, there's, there's a lot of things you can compare and contrast in terms of the lineups and the difference in the two teams. Right. Um, you know, Columbus, when you're looking at this lineup, had three players on the team that are nearing 200 games for Columbus, O'Rourke, Gavin, and Marshall. And then I counted somewhere in the area of seven players who've been on the team since 2000. This is their third season. Right. And Toronto is sort of in this weird area. You know, we've had some players since 2011, but they've been injured half the time. A lot of new faces, a lot of change. Um, I think that's always going to be a strike against you in a year where you do such a massive overhaul in terms of bringing in new faces and new players. That and and a new coach and a new 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 management. So it's gonna. I think it's gonna take 
it's going to take this year to really sort of figure things out and find the most glaring holes to build on for next year. I agree that that's what the goal should be for 2014. And the other thing I wanted to add on to is as long as they're doing it, as long as this, if this season isn't playoffs, as long as it's with purpose. And that's something that we definitely didn't see last year. That was, that's what worried me the most is that we made these whole scale changes mid season and I didn't see the purpose. All I saw was short term thinking for someone to either save their job or to show they were doing something exactly. Um, or to get season ticket renewals, right? Which, you know, that's we'll save that for another day. That can be <laughs> yeah, that's that's but, a whole pot in itself. Um, but that's sort of the two things that I would be looking for is to get some stability in the roster in our management, as well as whatever happens this year, as long as it's done with the purpose right. of a vision for next year, the year after, the year after. Yeah, I, I don't want to see any more of this wholesale player turnover. Like TFC set the record for number of players to wear the badge. It's hundred and. Well, we're well over 114 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we like, hit 100 in 2011. Right. So the number's it's, gotten up. There it's gone there. way up. And the the only other thing I think I want to throw out is going into preseason and going into the start of this year and talking about building the team and looking for stability is everyone clamoring for Payne to, to use that allocation money and why don't we have forwards and why don't we have forwards and why hasn't he spent the money? And, and I admit, like, in my, in my darker moments, I'm a little antsy because... Well, you want something to get excited I want so- for. I want something to happen. But when I'm in my saner moments, again, I remind myself, I don't want him to just go out and throw the money at something. I, I don't want another warm body at TFC that's going to be gone in six months, that's going to get injured in three months, that's not going to be here. I want him to find players who are going to be part of this core group moving forward because that is the whole point of this. And if we don't buy into that then really what's the point of this entire experiment? Yeah. And, you know, and what I would say to that is something like, you know, everyone's talking about, well, no, people, I mean, obviously people were excited that Peralta was coming on board. So oh, I would That I, was a little devastating. I yeah. wouldn't want to see him fork out 300 grand just to, just to sign that contract. And right. then that screwed us for the next three years. You know, I can't, I like him as a player, but Darren O'Dee's contract is absolutely ridiculous. As is. And, and if I'm sure if you ask Kevin Payne, would he be paying? Now we can talk about what the difference between a guaranteed salary or whatever. But let's just say, let's just say, three hundred and fifty grand. Like he's he's somewhere in that weird realm where he could almost be a DP. almost be a DP, but not um, quite. For what he brings to the table, I don't see it. No, I don't see it. So that's something where it's like, you know what? If if he is going to hold off and make sure that that money is spent right. And it doesn't put this again, put this team in a hole where it starts with the Guzman. And, you know, we're talking about Frings and we're and talking about Hasley. Oh, and we're Hasley. talking about D and we're talking about Eckersley where it's just like, Oh my God, we could have seven defenders for our the two. Price of two of them. Exactly. Like it's the, the, the money thing is, is unreal. And if I don't mind if they spend the money and it's, and it's quality and it's logical and it's, got a long-term purpose but basically we've rented some high-profile players over the last two years who haven't marketing driven marketing driven this is the you ask me that's what i would say oh it was and it is okay so this has been pretty good Uh, i've really enjoyed it thank you so much we've gone over the pretty much everything but i think um we're hitting that 40 we're hitting that one half mark that I know a listener cannot bear to go too much longer like, than that. Oh. 
What time is it? Why are they still talking? Yeah, I mean, like, this is longer than my commute to work. I'm going to be turning this off. So we're going to finish it off. Kristen, uh, give out your Twitter. We throw out the Twitter handle out there so people want to follow you. So it's KZ Knowles, K-Z, K-N-O-W-L-E-S at, uh, on Twitter. And you can also find me on Waking the Red. I, I write over there for a while, and I also have my own blog. But you can find that on Waking the Red, too. Uh, it's West End Girl. There you go. And uh, I've really uh, enjoyed the, the invite. This has yeah, been fun. Yeah, it's been good. Eh? It's, uh, well, this was the thing is that we said we did that one in January, and this was the goal is to get these extra ones in in between just the games because there's so much else to discuss outside of, outside just outside of 90 minutes. Exactly. Yeah, it's just like, and we just can't cover it all in 30, 35 minutes. So um, this is number two, I guess, if we call it Eastside Stand Up 3030 Supplement Podcast. Uh, so we'll be back at the start of the season. It's right around the corner. March I can't believe 2nd. how close it is. It's going to be there before you can blink. This next two or three. I actually, in, in, a, in a footy geek moment, I have a chalkboard in my entryway where I count down the number of days until first kick. No kidding. Yeah. You need yeah, one of those. Um, what, are they, what are those uh, Christmas calendars? What are they called? With the, oh, the advent calendars. Yeah, that's the one. The footy advent calendar. Someone oh. should come up with that the month before the season kicks off. Little chocolates there. You can eat every There day. is a marketing scheme I can get behind. Toronto FC, I just gave you a great idea. You there can you have go. It. I'll give it to you for free. Asif, John, are you listening? Yeah. You can. You know what they can do? The next big DP signing can be like the character on the front. There you and go. then they have chocolate. Who signing. is? And we'll have a, a question mark over, over the face. <laughs> That'd be funny. The last one could be the secret exactly signing. Exactly. Who it you is? You put the chocolate out and you're like, oh my oh, God. Oh, I can't believe it. But I don't know who it would be. No, me either. No, no speculation on this end. Okay, so we'll wrap it up. There's Noel's on the right, facing and the east. There you go, as yeah. I often am. And Mr. Ian Clark. On oh, yeah, you're on. Yeah, it makes sense. I'm yeah. West End Girl. Yeah, and uh, I'm on the other side. So we'll be back in a few weeks. Thanks for See listening. See everybody at the Dome.